We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Monday, the sixth day of June, the year of our Lord, 2022. I am Johnny Anderson alongside Ned. Ned, it's great to see you. How are you? <laughs> Running on gas fumes at the moment because... I of... take full responsibility. I, I take you full will. responsibility. Well, I was too busy socializing, getting my community spirit up, and then you rang. Then I realized I dropped off the scene and it triggered that I hadn't looked at something and off I went. And yeah, lots to say. Don't know whether you've got enough time to say it though. We got enough time. I, I think, I hope, but I really didn't mean to do that. It was my it was my only intention to call and ask how your trip was down to see Marty. That's all I wanted to know. It was, it was I saw awesome. some photos. Yeah, you, you guys you guys clean up quite well in suits. Yeah, I, I saw some photos of, of the day. It looked like what it was great time. <laughs> I'm, I'm a stick at a dump. Otherwise, am I? <laughs> uh, <laughs> was it uh, was it a was it an all you can eat buffet of uh, of hot cross buns and cheese and marmite? Oh no no and, and no! no. I didn't have didn't have didn't have any healthy food there. No, no. There's, there's a candy flush machine for the kids. There was a a sweet mountain, a a donut pegboard. Uh -huh. There was all sorts of things. Yeah. <laughs> Everything to avoid, except basically it was just beer. a there was it a was a diabetic coma. Oh uh, yeah, I um I um wasn't used to uh, wearing shoes because I wear boots all the time and put the shoes on and, and I think the back of my feet turned into. You know, like like he'd gone for a seventeen mile walk when he ain't done anything for a while. He got yeah. these nice big blisters, and then what does everybody want to do? Dance. So you just go buy me a beer. I need a bit of numbness. <laughs> yeah, just great, to take the edge Wonderful off here day. before I get out there on the floor. Yeah, yeah. it was awesome. Well, that's good. good. I'm glad, glad. Yeah, I'm glad you guys had a good time. Uh, it looked like it was a lot of fun. So you get to do it again next month. So I bet you're looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. Of course I am. No, that's going to uh -huh. be uh yeah end of, end of July actually end of July. And it's going to be really relaxed. And uh, Marty actually, because um, Groom likes Larry shirts, so he's going to chill out after they've done the church, uh -huh. put some Larry shirts on. And uh, I said, I've probably got one or two of them. And then when I saw Marty, he went, this don't fit me anymore. So I got a shirt off him. It's loud enough. Well, happy day. So, there you go. So we, so I could clean up in his clothes. And wear boots. <laughs> and wear boots. <laughs> Excellent. That's great. Okay, well, um, I wanted to talk a little bit, a little bit today about mass formation. We'll get to that here very shortly. But um, I, I've got some clips of uh, Matthias Esmond that I want to get to. A clip of Robert Malone as well, who was having a conversation with him. That's quite lengthy, but it's worth listening to. You'd mentioned something in prep, and and I want to just start with that. Um, Let's start with because this will this will fold us right into everything else that we're going to discuss today. I'm sure. 
Let's talk about monkeypox. Okay. Yeah, let, let's talk about monkeypox. That's been a thing that's been slowly introduced to us. You notice that? It's just this little thing that's being planted here and there. And they've got a few COVID things coming back. And uh, yesterday you had, or uh, I'm sorry, day before yesterday, you had uh, one of the German federal ministers came out and said, oh, look, um, you know, we're going to have to bring back all these restrictions against the unvaxxed because uh, they're they're hurting the vaccinated. So we've got to bring all these things mm. back and it has to be part of society. So they have to bring in segregation again because Why is that? It's because a- the unvaxxed must be closer to monkeys than the vaxxed. Well, I, they haven't said anything about it being uh, about uh, monkeypox, but they're saying it's about COVID. But the COVID yeah. horse has been beaten as far as you can beat that thing. So that's that's a dead well, issue. If if um, I'll say a few things, but look at coincidences. Yeah. And some people say, oh, they're trying to flog the same old dead horse with vaccines. But I wanted to find a plausible link for why they would use monkeypox. Because it's a very low transmissible disease between humans. Unless, unless you fiddle oh. with it. Oh, yes. Yeah, so you mean not that gain of function stuff? Oh, that's exactly what I mean. Ah, yeah, yeah. That, that is always a possibility. And people are looking into that. I mean, I'm not qualified at that level, but I'll wait until it comes out because it is bound to come out. The thing is, if we look into monkeypox is it because when people go oh no not another one and that's it the fear button goes off but monkeypox was and i will say was west and central africa and it's how weird it is that there's no really confirmed cases coming out from there anymore all in the west it's all in the west and monkeypox is a mild condition now what really annoyed me was across the bbc and i will say the bbc because they put the pictures out they've got these this picture of um, a young girl, which has got all these, and it's actually smallpox. It's not monkeypox because that picture. They need the fear. Ego, no, the picture, have a guess where it came from. Now, the CDC are still using that. So somebody with a bit of money went on Getty Images, find the history of it. And now that site can cost you quite a bit of money. Yes, the, yeah? the Gettys, they do charge a lot for their, uh, their licensed images. So they followed it back licensed images now that image on cdc is free for publication yeah but if you follow back to the history there are two pictures there of different young girls from different parts of the world one's in africa on i think it's the west coast and one's actually liberia from the early 70s <laughs> not now it's from the early 70s it's a young female Right. And these are the graphic pictures. Yeah. And it's like small, all those small populations traced it back and anybody can do it. It's from the early 70s. Right. It's they not fear. up to date. Yeah. They oh, yeah, fear. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so we've got this and it's small populations. Yeah. It's not monkeypox. That is very mild compared to smallpox. Now, and then they come out. And if you look at, if you look at what the who have published about, Oh, these symptoms and everything, it's gone to flu-like, rashes and everything else. I was giving it, whoa, hang on about, this sort of rash, that sort of rash. So I started to look into skin side effects from COVID-19. Vaccination, yeah? Oh, funny enough, uh-huh. what, do we, yeah. what do we have? We've got, oh, things that look like shingles. We've got um, these pustules, yeah? They're all coming out. And all these, because there's so many different skin side effects and it sounds very similar to what 
might be monkeypox. They'll get the fear and the vaccines into people. And you'll be taking a vaccine when you haven't even got it. And that's, well, that's the problem. That's what they were doing with COVID. Because all these vaccines. <laughs> because yeah. act like you've well, got yeah. it. Remember? Yeah. Don't, even if you don't have it, act like you have it. Get your vaccine anyway. So, but biggest worrying effect is because those rashes and those lesions are proof that the vaccine is demolishing your immune system. And then you have the boosters. And we've had that from one. And now they're going to do it again. Yep. Uh, I mean, uh, it's beyond criminal to me. I just don't get it. I mean, well, I do. I mean, it's going to be left. So this little monkeypox thing that was discovered, say, 1970 in humans, in 1970, it started, it got seen in lab monkeys in, I think, the end of the 50s. So and all confirmed cases, like I said, are now outside of Africa. Weird that. And it's not that easily transmissible, but it's popping up everywhere. So people can make up their mind of what's happened or not and what is their answer to it they're rolling out a smallpox vaccine now when you then look back into okay smallpox vaccine yes that's what they used against it the vaccina as it was called then all of a sudden you look at the history of smallpox and you see that it tapered off or was just about eradication when who created themselves funny that they went, oh, we've nearly wiped out smallpox. But it was on a decline to eradication already by the time they did that. And that was their starting point of where they started. And you're giving it, oh, man. I mean, coincidence after coincidence after coincidence. And like I said on the last one, there's 31 million doses in five different countries around the world. And yet they're shipping this out everywhere. They're not saying we, they've got a stash, but it's internationally known medically that there's always been that many doses. Yeah. So why are they buying, all the countries buying all more and more and more? Question it, people. Why? It's your taxpayers' money. Your money's going down the, down the bin when they've already got vaccines for it because a new vaccine, new vaccines have been created. I think there's one, there's first generation, second generation, third and fourth generation. I think one's... Well, no, we don't. Norway. Those are those were live those were live vaccines back then that they used. They didn't use what yeah. they're going to use now. Which Gates says, well, we need to have oh, no, all no, these no, be no, mRNA no, no, no. because we can make them a lot faster and they can be a lot safer and blah blah blah. Which no, no, I mean, the track record they've got mRNA. exactly. It, it, it gives them the ability no. to add that gene editing tool. And one of them, even the WHO, if you look into the paperwork, which is called a ACAM two thousand. Um, one of the side effects is, guess what? Myopericarditis. Go figure. And and it's there in writing. And the thing is, with the, with the live vaccines like we used to talk about, the live vaccines, they create immunity. Yeah. They don't need anything to find the disease, whereas um, a, a non-live vaccine is dead. And it needs a sort of catalyst to spot and help it find the disease. And this setup, is no good because for some reason these vaccines are causing the bad and over responses from the immune systems and they're breaking down they're overworked they're breaking down they're just doing a continuation of well open denial that can't have anything to do with the vaccine that's this that's oh that's like shingles that's like oh you've got lesions you've got pustules in it so the next crisis is going to be something that has got a history of lesion type things, postural type symptoms, whatever. And Gates has been hyping smallpox. If <laughs> he has. Yeah, what what did they do though? 
I mean, he also well, he also tabletopped a uh, a monkeypox outbreak yeah. that happened on what was it, like June fifth, actually today. Made, yeah, but didn't they do one last year? Was it last year? It was last year. Yeah, that didn't was to happen did, this time, um, like right around this it, time. Oh, um, the NHI. NIH. May the fifteenth, and is May the fifteenth was the date, weren't they? They uh-huh. tabletop something, and they said, it "Yeah, would, and yeah. that's yeah." And funny enough, it could have nearly nailed it to the day. <laughs> and then, of course, his book come out. His book well, come yeah, out about yeah. Well, if you just yeah. read his book, then then of course you, you'll know what to do. And and if see, you have to have this pandemic response team. If you don't have this pandemic response team, then. Then you're not going to be able to stop this. See, this all could have been prevented. Man Which, by the way, do, do you remember? Do you remember the clips we played of him giving the TED talk about uh, selling that pandemic response team? And he played a clip of the movie Outbreak. Do you remember what the movie Outbreak was? It's it's interesting. It's interesting if you think about it. The basis for the outbreak in the movie Outbreak was a monkey in Western Africa. Monkey, Western Africa. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the actor there. Oh. Uh, Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman. That's it. Spot on, yeah. Yeah, it's been a long Austin time. Hoffman. It has. Uh, yeah, no, of course it was. And that it was like somebody tried to clean up something and it didn't quite work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty typical. But Africa has been abused in so many ways. You've, you've got some really good doctors trying stuff out there. But if you look into the history of the WHO and what they've done in Africa, uh, the, I mean... <sighs> Apart from calling them a criminal organization, what can you call them? Uh, an organized I mean, criminal organization. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you think about you think you think about it. The worst the worst type of entity is a corporation. Yeah, we've we've learned this because when you've helped build a company up and such, and you're having a great time doing it, and you think about the people you never want to lose a client or whatever, and you get to you become an intermediate company, not too big, not too small. You don't want to lose a client. You keep in touch with them. You're doing your business no matter what it is, in the whether it's the service industry or whatever. You're going down them lines, and then you either get bought out or you get too big, and you then get shareholders. And then things change. Yeah, you have stakeholders in your company, and therefore they are expecting something back. So the whole psyche of it changes. Then when you've got a, something like the WHO, and you've got people like Klaus, bless his heart, saying, "Are stakeholders? How can you have an organisation that it's funded like that, and it has not got the people's health at heart at all?" When you can make statements out there and the first thing you say is, our oh, stakeholders, oh my God, what's coming next? Self-justification is just incredible. And they've got the fingers in every part. And now they want to tighten the stranglehold. Because if, I mean, this meeting they had, this meeting, it was all about being able to step above the law like that total smiling puppet git in your country, Anthony, Mr. Fauci, who says he's above the law. He and does, yes. The, the laws are there to keep people in place so they can answer. At least they're answerable, yeah? And yet there is um, a lawyer, um, a firm of lawyers in Switzerland where they've actually, they're getting a bit sick and tired because during COVID and the mandates and things like that, every time they've defended, whether it's an adult or a child, and gone to the judiciary because this pandemic and whatever else is going on, they've actually got told that we cannot look at your evidence. 
we can't look at your evidence about this because as long as this pandemic or whatever, the people that are carrying these mandates due to the allowance of the laws at the moment, and as long as it's coming from clear scientific evidence and supported by WHO, nothing's being done. That means people have at the moment got no comeback there. Well, of course not. You saw what happened. things go wrong. Uh, well, of course not. Yeah. You saw what happened at the WHO last week, didn't you? Mm. Yeah. China. Their own police force and everything. Well, well, yes. Well, no, that was the WEF. But China was elected to the head the of same. the WHO. Well, yeah, they are, of course they are the same. But China was elected as the head of the executive board of the World Health yeah. Organization. Of a non-elected people. Yeah. Uh, and it's horrible. And they want, and, and the idea is they want to be able to take charge of any, they want to change international law. They've put out, they want to change international law. And the only thing in yeah. international law that you can see that they really need to change is from when the uh, voicing about uh, emergencies due to like human to human contacted viruses and stuff like that, where they can actually water that down. So they will decide what emergency is, whether it's caused by food, whether it's caused by uh, a tsunami or whatever. They want to be able to step in above governments and make anything in emergency situation that they will control. And that is hideous. That is just so, so wrong. I mean, and... Um, we have to stop and think I about th why. You have to stop and think about why. Well, if you go back to Klaus and, and his group of uh, miscreants down there and degenerates down there in, uh, in Davos, if you go back to that group, here's a group of people that have literally bankrupted the world, consolidated their own power through, through leveraging fraud and stealing taxpayer money and countries' yeah. assets. They, they have literally consolidated everything over the last 10 years. When 2008 happened, when that happened, everything that was in trouble back then, as in like Deutsche Bank and UBS, Barclays Capital, all the banking cartel in the United States, the central banks of Europe and the US and the World Bank and the IMF, all these institutions oh, yeah, the should recession. have gone. Everything should yeah. have gone. All of it should have come down. Yes, everybody would have lost everything. Of course, I know what that means and I know how serious that is. But look where we are now by not allowing that to happen, by preventing the natural order of things we have put ourselves Right here. After oh, yeah. 2008, I mean, we had the H1N1 outbreak. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah. They tried to do exactly yeah, what yeah. they're doing now back then, but they didn't have the technology in place to do it. They didn't have it. So it gave them 10 years to jumpstart this this crackpot uh, green revolution garbage with this electric vehicle crap. It gave them 10 years to jumpstart that. These ridiculous windmills, which those were already going before, and they were a mess before. I remember talking to somebody around 20 years ago who used to build these things and say, these things are a joke. They're an absolute joke. Solar panels that we can't recycle. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm all for alternative forms of, never, uh, of energy. Uh, and you, uh, I mean, if you, get, if you get solar panels in your house, you will never regain your outlay. No. What you get back. No, no of course not. No, I have solar panels never. on my roof and, and you'll never get it back. They do. They do offset some things that's true but it's nowhere near the amount that that people expect it's yeah, but not like people, people did have a chance people did have a chance of regaining back because if they made any doesn't happen now any excess energy you produced and didn't use you sold back to the energy company which i do yeah which i do yeah but in this country that doesn't exist anymore it started it went from something like 42 pence a unit 25 to it's not happening anymore. 
Uh, yeah, they'll just they'll slowly say, well, the incentives are over now. Now that they've got you into that system, they take it away. It's just like everything else. So um, where uh, remember in 2008, the other one thing that they did do, which was the real big crime, is when they made the taxpayer collect the debt for the banks. Unreal. The actual worth, the worth of the banks was at the bottom. And guess who got their claws into it all? BlackRock at a very Black cheap, cheap, cheap price. And that is why they're in every damn country. Because who was one of the biggest companies that helped cause the fall? Deutsche Bank. They begin in America. BlackRock. No, who who has who owns a company beginning with G? Who went down? Oh, yeah, Goldman who, Sachs. Who, oh, yes. Here we go. <laughs> yes, Just I that little Goldman, button. Yeah. People forget about that. Yeah, exactly. And that's what people do. They forget the trigger. Goldman Sachs. And who owns that thing? BlackRock. Yeah. And so when you think, oh, Goldman Sachs triggered this, and then it called the global thing, and mm, BlackRock and got its nasty little web out there. And, and BlackRock and really yes, Black, BlackRock and, and Vanguard and State Street and these these hedge funds, all that all, all that is the these organizations that is the militant arm of the central banking cartel. That's all it is. It's literally just an extension asset of asset management. Exactly, exactly. It's asset management, and that is all it is. But the assets they own is just ridiculous. There. Did you see the uh, and every, every they they manipulate people? Of course they do. Did Did you see uh, Did you see the Prime Minister of New Zealand walking out of BlackRock headquarters over the weekend. She's doing her tour of America. She spoke at Harvard. She spoke at Harvard. Yeah, she she spoke at Harvard. She was a keynote speaker there. Uh, she was giving the, uh, really? the address to them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, she was telling everybody there, you need to stamp out these fake news people. We, we, we need to censor these people. We need to, we need people to be uh, taken offline uh, in order to, to make sure that we protect people's free speech. Oh, it was disgusting. It was truly disgusting. But not to oh, get yeah. too far off topic here, this is Jacinda Ardern walking out of BlackRock. Open more doors to trade. Prime Minister, how's your day going? Oh, it's busy, but fantastic. Like the doors to $10 trillion investment firm BlackRock. But Ardern is not just a brand ambassador. She's the prime minister with power, and those she's meeting know it. Now see, oh, she's, she's not just the brand ambassador. She's a prime minister with power. She's also one of Klaus Schwab's young global leaders. She has her power as long as they want her to have it. Complicity in it. That's true. That's true. Did you see that photo of Merkel I showed you earlier? She's not looking good. <laughs> Actually, yeah, she's looking a pretty best door. Now, whether her conscience has finally caught up with her or not and screwed her up. Yeah, I'd say so. I don't know. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, but the because thing she's that- had her, she's had her foot in it for a long time. Oh yes, yeah, absolutely. But the thing is, though. To what end, right? We're sitting here, we're discussing all of these things. To what end? It started, it actually started a long time ago, but the the most recent manifestation that we're discussing here is 2008. And we discussed a while back, Ned, you were actually on with Bruce and I when we talked about the amount of money that they digitized after 2008 that they didn't tell us about, that they just released earlier this year. You remember the $140 trillion? It's just disgusting amount. It is. It is. They literally bailed out the world to the tune of $140 trillion, and they didn't tell um, a damn one of us about it. They, they created that and the money. And that is yeah. why you've got they a global problem because, oh, yeah, it's because they can manipulate what they want. That sort of money, even on a global level, does not exist within no. 
There's not enough assets. So, so, so the, no, the, there's not enough assets because, as we know, BlackRock has what ten trillion as the person on their say, and that is the equivalent of the GDP of all the countries except the US and China. Now, a number of 140 trillion back in 2008 and that fourth recession. I mean, I was even talking about it then. The world on the global market has a flow of 30 trillion around, and then you already had bubbles of disgusting amount of money, two sets of debt, whether it's permanent or temporary due to your credit cards and everything else. And housing crisis. But You're going to see another housing crisis type, on yeah, a level. That, no, no. I mean, people can't even get on the housing market. There's no. Where it used to be one or two, even two people are having a problem getting on the housing market now. It's just, And they're still building houses. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's unbelievable. And then you've got BlackRock and Vanguard there's, there's, that are buying up entire yeah. communities. Like they might as well just be buying up oh, the yeah. entire cities. Yeah, but it's uh, you go, I went down um I went down uh, the high street um and one of the estate agents, although it's got a window full of houses that you could buy or whatever at some incredible prices, there was another window and all it had was little notices about eight by eight, and it says rents are up, landlords. Yeah, <laughs> and that's all it said. So basically, rent your place out. So, and that's what they want. They want everybody to do the renting thing. They want everybody, and rents are up, huh? Yeah, go rent your house out. And you're just giving it. Oh my God, there you go. Rents are up. Rents are up. And there must have been thirty of these in one big window, all saying the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I just went. Oh, it's. Well, this leads us right back to where we started. To what end? Well, if you were the one that blew a hole in the world, wouldn't you want to have a control grid in place when it all goes wrong? I mean, that only makes sense. <laughs> if you're that type of person, if you're that type of sick individual, if you're a if you're a a, a a morally bankrupt, degenerate Wall Street gambler, and that's what a lot of them are, by the way. They're just a bunch of cokeheads down there. Not all of them. I, I mean, can't say that about all of them. I know. I personally know some investors, some Wall Street investors, and they're they're really they're straight up guys. They're, they're straight up people, uh, and they they generally just try to make some money for them for their clients, and that's what they do. Uh, they don't screw anybody over, and you know that's that's what they do. So when I say that, I'm not um, I'm just generalizing. I'm not I'm not saying that everybody's like that. But former Wall Street investor and former BlackRock executive, just mm -hmm. so happens, Edward Dowd had something to say about this. And he's also referencing, yeah, he's also referencing in this clip that we're about to play, Dr. Robert Malone in his latest article about something about finagling with a monkeypox virus in a lab somewhere. I'm not, <laughs> not sure. Not sure. Take a listen to this. Basically, if you're going to collapse the global economy because the system will collapse of its own way, it's designed to collapse. It's, it's a system that has multi-generational length to it, and we're at the end. So if you know that's going to happen and you can't control it when it happens, wouldn't you like to have a system of control in place to prevent riots under the guise of uh, variants and viruses to lock people down? Wouldn't you also like to not blame policymakers, the politicians and the central bankers? Wouldn't you like to blame a virus? So that that's what happened in 2020. And uh, we're again facing another economic collapse because we're literally at the end of the, uh, the global monetary system as we know it. And... Uh, as you can see in the stock markets and the inflation that's raging, uh, we're about to basically enter another uh, collapse. And my, my belief is that this monkeypox arrived right on time. Uh, a lot of people said it's a joke because monkeypox doesn't transfer to humans quite as well as um, the coronavirus did. But guess what uh, came out uh, yesterday? Dr. Malone put out a sub stack saying it looks looking like 
the current monkeypox that they've identified may have been engineered. So it looks like something's happened to the traditional monkeypox, and, and and now there's evidence that it's been engineered, and that's starting to um, really worry my friends on Wall Street. Uh, I yeah. talked to a lot of different people, and uh, the people who are awake and know what what's going on. That's not the majority of Wall Street; it's only a select few are now thinking, and I'm starting to think, there will be no elections in the fall. Uh, they will lock us down under the cover of uh, the monkeypox virus. And at the very least, if we do have elections, it'll be mail-in ballots and we won't be able to go to the ballots in person or to, to the ballot boxes in person. That's, that's my thesis. That's what I think's coming. That is not that far of a stretch. No, it's not. I mean, and I, I mean, Robert Malone, I mean, if, if, you, think, if you think about it, that man has... He's a co-creator of the mRNA vaccine idea, you know? He, I mean, he put it forward. He knows what it can do, what it can't do, and he's been a voice against it being misused and everything. And actually, he now... Um, it's something I, I really wanted to um, have a little talk about as well, because as much as you've got the WHO, and over the last two years, there have been so many scientists, doctors, journalists, ordinary people, that have either been put down, ostracized, lost their businesses, or worked through their businesses, even the doctors that have done as much as they can for their own patients, and when they've been silenced about what they wanted to say, all they could do, really, was keep it at a minimum and even have the voice like, you'd know, make sure you got your vitamin D, your vitamin C, and your zinc and stuff like that, but they've still cared for their patients, and there's there's, there's a group of people called worldcouncilforhealth.org. Okay, people, the worldcouncilforhealth.org. Go and have a look. They were meant to be having a meeting in Bath before I went to have my social event. And um, I had a look and it got cancelled. Um, it was in UK. It was in UK. It was in Bath. And the local council went, no, sorry, can't have this. It might bring our town into disrepute or whatever. What do you mean disrepute? Disrepute with who? These are these are scientists over then they booked it all whatever. But they were clever enough to think this is gonna happen and they had a second place and they managed to have a meeting and there were some really prominent people there and this seminar, which I did miss, and that is why when Johnny spoke to me, that is what triggered it. And I had to go back because I found out I had a quick look, I wonder what happened. And then I found out they had a meeting and then they did some other stuff that was online and there's some video stuff and and very very interesting very interesting people good doctors good whatever and they it's not just the uk it's america it's, it's the world there's people from all countries yeah and you do find out little sparks of information which is really nice and one of them that i did like that came out back from um uh one of the um, lawyer firms and that, that are creating something called the International Alliance for Justice and D Democracy that are trying to fight the case and everything. Again, they, they just want information about who and them to disclose everything and information. But India had voted and has now made it a ruling that compulsory vaccine mandates is illegal and against their constitution. They've actually just made that ruling. So India have actually put that up. And out, which is a positive thought. Which that is, is nice. That is, yeah. That that is when, especially when you've got countries like Belgium, France, Germany, yeah. uh, the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. uh, they're all saying, "Oh, well, no, the mandates; those are all back on." 
Uh, we're we're going to have to do that again. And the Italians, just to name a few, th- those are all back off. Yeah. Now, now, the ruling the, is it's unconstitutional. It's awesome. Yeah, of course. Of course it is. We all know it is. But they're violating that out out in the open on purpose to get people to respond. They need to provoke a response. But at the same time, they also need to keep the pressure up to keep that out group. They need to keep the, the two groups fighting against, against each other. And this is where we can roll into uh, to the mass formation. You mentioned there about uh, people that have been demonized, demoralized, beaten down, ostracized, yep. had their businesses taken, lost them, you know, all the rest of it, uh, arrested, given five, 10, 15,000 pound fines for walking their dog, you know, that kind of ridiculous nonsense, right? Or I heard a, it was only 50, I thought it was only 50 quid if you're a politician. That is, if country. you're a politician, yes. And if you got cocaine, <laughs> yeah. And, and if you if you have beer parties, yeah, that's what you get, or wine, wine parties or whatever, wine bars, you get a 50 pound fine. But I want to play a few clips here of um, Dr. Matthias Desmond. He is a professor of clinical psychology at Ghent University in Belgium. He has a theory of mass formation during this crisis that we've been dealing with over the last two and a half years, almost three years now. Uh, It's become widely known uh, and widely misunderstood since gaining mainstream attention. He has a new book out, uh, and I'll give that a plug. I have not read it yet. I literally just learned about it this afternoon. I will be picking it up because I'm I'm curious about it. Uh, It's called The Psychology of Totalitarianism, and it lays out what mass formation is, how it develops, and how it leads to totalitarianism, and what we must do to change the conditions that make these mass formations events possible in the first place. We've seen two groups that have formed here, right? You've got the uh, they started with uh, the vax and the unvaxed, and then it was uh, then it went further. Yeah, with it's, it. it's, it's just polarization, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the they other. split that group again. The, you know, the boosters, and then the next booster, and this and that. Okay, th- those that have made it this far. I played Tears a couple, of masochism. Yeah, yeah. I played a clip of this guy last week, but I have some more clips of him now. Uh, and he also does a clip that's about eight minutes long, but it's him and Dr. Robert Malone discussing his theory. Interesting. Uh, and I'm going to play that. But first, I want to uh, I want to talk about I want him to explain here about why people that are in this mass formation and, and what they'll do to stay in it. Mass formation on individual psychological functioning is that it makes people radically incapable of taking a critical distance from what the group believes in. So once people are in the grip of this process of mass formation, they will typically become blind for the, for the absurd characteristics of the groupthink, of what the group believes in. The people who are in the grip of mass formation uh, can truly believe uh, the most absurd thing, the most absurd things, even if it concerns people who are usually highly intelligent and highly educated. That's something very characteristic. We could even say that historical examples show that the higher the level of education, the more vulnerable people are for mass formation. People who are in the grip of it uh, seem to become radically unaware. It is as if they don't realize anymore that they lose many things while being in the grip of mass formation that used to be extremely important to them. And the leaders of the masses can take everything away of the people who are in the mass formation without the people noticing it. They become radically intolerant for dissonant voices. It is as if they are radically allergic, as if they cannot stand anymore, that people think differently. The absurdities. Ned, we saw the absurdities over the last few years, didn't we? Well, it is, it's a psychosis. It's a mass psychosis. Yeah. I mean, people that know me over the years and whatever, even 
some of the neighbours and what, and they don't want to hear anything. They seriously just don't want to hear anything. They don't want to hear anything different to what's coming through their tellies. Yeah, they don't, oh, well, that can't be true because I can't see it on the telly. And you go, well, I could show you if you wish or whatever. One or two of them will go, you're kidding me. And when they see it, but some of them, which don't want to know, and they go, no, there's no problem with that. It's just, you can get anything you want and find anything you want from the internet. Yes, you can get any data. Data is biased by a lot of people who put it out there. But I'm not putting it out there. I'm finding it. I'll find a difference between, and I will chase things up. I will chase them down. Like those, I mean, it's absurd. It's like those pictures that are putting out there to create the fear about the monkeypox and stuff like that. And then you find the news, you find the actual output of what the vaccinations are causing and due to your immune systems going down. And then you find the pictures of your shingles and your different rashes and your pustules. And then you look at what they're telling you now the monkeypox can do. And it's exactly what is already happening. So you've got a vaccine that's breaking your immune system down. It's obvious. The stuff is out there. People must be seeing people in these states and they're ignoring it because well it can't be anything to do with that and then they'll be leading themselves in the nose to the next medical i mean all you can say is it's they're creating a medical emergency yeah it's going to be such so, so poor they're going to be creating a medical emergency by using abusing the normal people everybody yeah and those people then go Oh no! I've got the monkeypox. They're giving me the vaccine, and I'm hospitalised. They're doing their best for me. No, they're actually well. You. Let's hear what he has to say about that, because he talks in this next clip about hypnotism and how they have a refusal to accept reality. Oh yeah, mass formation is not similar to hypnosis. It's identical. Exactly the same process happens in a hypnosis. In hypnosis, there is someone, a hypnotist, who has a natural skill to withdraw the attention from the environment of someone else and to focus it all on one extremely small aspect of reality, for instance, a pendulum that is moving before the eyes of the hypnotized person. And consequently, after that, it is as if reality doesn't exist anymore, the rest of reality. And this goes extremely far. A simple hypnotic procedure is sufficient to make someone so insensitive for what happens with his body, for instance, if his attention is no longer focused on his body, that a surgeon is perfectly capable of performing an open heart operation in which he has to cut straight through the skin, the flesh and the breastbone of the patient without the patient noticing it. So that's the strength, the enormous strength of the focusing of attention that exists in a hypnosis, but also in illusionism, for instance, and also in mass formation. And that explains, of course, why you can take everything away of people when they are in a mass formation without them noticing it. What people have lost is intelligence needs common sense. It doesn't really matter how bright you are. But common sense also needs other key aspects. And it's historically what you've seen happening or whatever. But if you cut these memories off or whatever and you just focused on the fear they put in front of you i mean because we're a short-lived race how many people worry about their own mortality or oh, key aspects yeah well no the thing is <laughs> death doesn't i'm gonna die sometime when you when you're born you have already started the process of dying True. no matter what you're heading down that road yeah yep. you know that's going to happen so hmm 
what's the one thing that can make me enjoy it? Socializing, community spirit, doing what I like to do, la di da di da di da di da. What's happened in the last two years? Breakdown of all of that. Yeah, it's all been taken. All of it. All of it. So now your gray days become gray. And when they're gray, and then your focus is put in this myopic trench of fear, death, whatever else, yeah, they'll get you to believe whatever. Yeah. And you will continue thinking that everything's okay. Let me ask you. They're looking after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That which those of us, I mean, there's a there's a good percentage of the population that, and this is just the way that it is. There's a good percentage of the population that just cannot be hypnotized as he's as he's putting it. We we cannot be indoctrinated into this, and there are those of us that fall victim to this. There there are those in society that fall victim to this. They are the ones that fall into this this narrative of literally wanting to get rid of the other group. And that's what he talks about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want to play this other clip first of here's the question that I have. And th- this is a this is a good question that he's going to pose here. And the question is, do you believe and do I believe that people want freedom? I mean, we know that there's a there's an element of the population out there that does, of course. We saw that case in point of that. The evidence of that is clear with what's happening where I am. The Germans are still protesting. It's still happening. Yeah. The, the British, that's you guys an individual are thing. That's an, yeah, but it's, it's, it's like everything else. It's a point of view. Some yeah. people will um, enjoy lesser freedoms as if they have that thing about, well, I'm being left alone. I can do what I want. And if they believe in that they are doing what they want, they believe themselves to be free. But there are those that want a higher level of freedom. Those, I mean, you want to be free thinking. You want to be able to do what you want. You want to be able to converse and not have the doors slammed in your face. And you can't say this, that sort of freedom. Some people are willing to not bring subjects up now because it will make them change their narrative. And they're not right. willing to do that. No, no. They're, they're, they're quite happy in their, in their gray days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're happy in their gray days. Yeah, they're, they're stuck there. But that's because they can't think for themselves, right? I've said from the start, I said, the process of being an individual forces you to evaluate your alternatives. Look at your choices. Evaluate your alternatives of making each one of those choices and then make your choice. It might be the wrong one, but at least you made it and you have to deal with the consequences, good or bad, and you become a better right. individual as a result of that, right? Yeah, but what one one thing I think as it's it just triggered a word in my head, like when somebody makes a choice, like you've got your in- intelligence will formulate this is the information I've got, your common sense then adds what other little ideals you get there, but it also uses that little thing called intuition, your intuitive way of which way I think I should go. And I think that's been rubbed out of a lot of people as well, because a person's intuition, their gut feeling can sometimes put them well in the right area. How many times have you avoided something due to your gut feeling? Quite a few. Exactly. And I think, but just that intelligence that uh, can get you down that myopic area isn't enough. All those little peripheral uses that your common sense uses, uh, you know, and adds together, they're getting rubbed away and people are quite happy without it. And if you said to somebody, what is your gut feeling about this? Do you actually think it's a good thing? Oh, I don't know. Off you go. Boom. <laughs> it's gone. You know, oh, well, okay. Yep. Yep. Dr. Robert Malone sitting down with Professor Matthias Desmond. I was assuming that most people wish to be free and that that may well be false and that uh, a large fraction of the population probably wants to be told what to do Mm. and uh, 
to have a leader and that they may appreciate an authoritarian leader. I'm reminded back when I was in my medical training uh, for clinical uh, diagnosis and uh, management, um, our, my preceptor pointed out that part of your patients are going to want to dive deep into uh, whatever the latest information is. And part of them are just going to be told, want to told what to do. And, and uh, they don't want to participate in their treatment program. They just want to be treated and be told how to be treated. And in it, it reminded me that there, there is this split in the population. Not everybody wants to take the time and responsibility and the burden that comes with uh, personal freedom and the associated personal responsibility. And in as I so I developed a substack around that. I was kind of triggered by your video and then went into a couple hour interview with the film crew here in, in which it kind of came together in my mind that um, that w- there is a, a world here in the United States of uh, parenting practices that involve over sheltering or over controlling children. This starts to get into your world because you're uh this is more having to do with psychology and psychiatry and that these children that come from these overly sheltered homes uh, where the parents don't allow them to really interact with the world very much have various types of, I'll call them fragile uh, personality profiles and various characteristics, um, which include narcissism and many other things. And, and I was struck that um, this this uh, world that we live in right now and all of the chatter that's going on here in the United States about censorship and propaganda fed right into that because for a large fraction of the population, they probably want to be sheltered. They probably, uh, I, again, I'm going into your space, but they're, they may be seeking an authoritarian parent that they've lost. So I'm going to shut up my mouth and let you go now. I I couldn't agree more, Robert. That's one of the secrets, I think, in this crisis. People want a harsh leader. People want a strict leader, a severe leader. That's exactly what Gustave Le Bon said already in the 19th century when talking about mass psychology. He said, make no mistake, if you want to lead the masses, you have to be harsh and cruel because the the masses long for a leader who tells them what to do. That's exactly what also Eric Fromm wrote a nice book about the fact that um, you are inclined to believe that people want to be free, but most people don't. Most people are scared of freedom. Freedom brings with it responsibility. It brings challenges. It makes that you need to think. You need to do a certain mental labor. You need to think about your life. You need to think about the decisions you have to make. And if you do that, you will be rewarded with a certain deep human satisfaction and a sense of creativity of really a sense of feeling that you exist as a human being. But most people prefer uh, not to do it and prefer to look for someone who tells them what to do. Um, And um, that's one of the the strange things. It makes me think also about this nice song um, of Eric Clapton, which was released during the Corona crisis. I think it's the title was something like um, a stand and deliver in which he says, do you want to be a free man or do you want to be a slave? And most people answer, I prefer to be a slave. And at the same time, once they are a slave, once they found someone who tells them what to do, 
they will start to resist and they will start to be unhappy, not knowing why. And often they will start to object against the one who tells them what to do. But at the same time, deep in themselves, they will realize that they need them. And they will start to feel a certain very aversive dissonance in, themse in themselves. But it's a fact that many people um, uh, constantly look for a job, for instance, where someone tells them what to do and uh, and, uh, and 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 makes clear uh, what they are expected to do in such a way that they can avoid to be confronted with the intrinsic uncertainty that is so typical for the human being. Human beings differ from animals, not because they know more. They differ from animals because constantly throughout their existence, from when they are born until they die, they are confronted with something that they cannot grasp, something that escapes their mental system, something that they don't understand. They are constantly confronted with questions, existential, yes. existential questions such as, who am I? What is the meaning of my life? What does the other want of me? What do I want? Humans' existence constantly gravitates around something their mental system cannot grasp. We are some, constantly trying to learn. So this uncertainty is what uh, hounds people. It's what, it's what they, most people constantly try to avoid. And other people accept the uncertainty and they find in this uncertainty, uncertainty the source of their singularity, the source of their a, a truly own identity. The, the space in which they can be creative, in which they can interpret life in their own way and make life really into their own life. So, but most people draw back they, they, from, from, from uncertainty and they try to find someone who takes uncertainty away from them. And that's exactly one of the secrets of the phenomenon of mass formation and of totalitarianism. The totalitarian leader claims that he knows that he knows, and that's the origin of the world of the word of the word totalitarianism. The totalitarian leader claims that claims that he knows the total truth, that he can offer an ideology which tells people what they have to do from the minus, from the, from the smallest details of their existence, from the way in which they clothe themselves, in which they build their houses, the ways, the ways in which they, they have to orientate in life at every single detail of life. That's what a totalitarian leader does. And a totalitarianism can only emerge in a situation in which people feel sick of freedom, in which people look for someone who takes the burden of freedom from their shoulders. That's exactly what totalitarian, totalitarian, totalitarianism is. That's exactly the kind of condition under which mass formation, which is the basis of totalitarianism, emerges. You can always see it. It is after a period in which people became sick of individualism, in which they don't want to be confronted with the duty to make choices, the duty to think about their own existence. It's under these conditions that people are sensitive to these narratives, which uh, reduce everything to a very simple uh, schedule or a very simple frame of thinking, uh, which is offered by uh, uh, people who have an ambition to become totalitarian leaders. I apologize for the length of that, but don't. that was... Don't, because, but I do, I mean, the um, spoken word, and he put it across very well, and the simplicity of it is, yes, you've got the farm, you've got the farmer, and you've got the cattle, and you've got different things. That is what it will come down to in certain areas of the world if they don't watch what they're doing. 
And that is the same. I mean, going back to what we said at the beginning, <laughs> Eddie said I could blame you because I was off on a tangent. I've had my community spirit and stuff. I actually sat down and wrote something to myself because I'm always, I need something to kick me off. And I actually wrote down, I just put spiritual crisis. Who am I? I lost my sense of I. A sense of worth should come from I. Worth comes from a sense of community. Active within a community locally. Community spirit is the ability to socialize. Just talking. Your needs and other people's needs are recognized mentally and physically. Because such a simple thing will then enable one person to start the de-shackling on the mass media and such things itself. And I actually, you caused me to sit down. And that was by start of, right, I'm ground myself and then I went off looking for stuff. Because, yeah, I had such a wonderful time and I was there. And then I just had to go bang. But as I see it, I still have a responsibility. And so does everybody that has a voice to keep talking, putting things across, keep trying to shatter this as psychosis, keep kicking it, kicking the dust up and just keep going. Because it shows that we care as individuals for humanity, yeah, not just for ourselves. Even if, I mean, I don't think, although you could say things like acting like cattle and things, it's it's not belittling them. It's actually saying, look, these are the things, this is where you can end up and put yourself. The responsibility of where you are is you and up to you and anybody that's dependent on you. And hopefully if you're dependent on others, they are actually thinking of you in the right light as well and helping you along. We have to take this personal responsibility. That's the mental side of it. That's the structure. Responsibility is a bastard. It is because you've got to wake up to it. If you do not take your own autonomy for yourself and your medical health, you are going to watch yourself crumble and others too because there's a lot of this going in the wrong direction by people who don't even care. They don't want to know you because human nature, if it knows somebody, it then might... Think about that, somebody. If they can keep you down as a number, as a human resource, or whatever, you can be a nothing. And that is how old populations are being looked at by some really sad, and yeah, they're evil people. I think if the countries have got to pull themselves out of who, because as far as I'm concerned, it is a criminal organization. There's yeah. no way about it. Same thing with the United Nations. It's, just, it's, it's outdated. It's time to go. We don't need to keep good. No, no, we don't need to be keeping those organizations around anymore. But you're going to have to dismantle the World Economic Forum along with it. That's got to go. Uh, Schwab and his Schwab and his gang down there have to go. But but you mentioned something there in the beginning. You said it's essential. We have that responsibility to continue to speak out. We have to do that, no matter the cost. That has to continue to be done. So, and we're not the only ones, but we're of one voice of many. Okay, that, that's all it is. But it is, we saw a problem. Is, but- we, we saw a problem in the beginning, and we decided we were going to put all of our personal stuff aside. We were going to step up to the plate and be a part of that. And that's what we're doing. He makes a very interesting point here. And it's funny you brought that up. He makes a very interesting point here about why uh, Desmond. He makes a very interesting right, point yeah. here about the necessity for people just like us, not not us specifically, but us and people like us to continue to speak out, no matter whether you have a platform like this, or if you're just talking to your neighbors or other family members or friends or, or whatever, the necessity to speak out 
to oh, yeah. continue to disrupt that narrative that's being shoved on people is essential. Listen to this. We have to continue to speak out. That's just crucial. It's crucial. We have to live up to the most fundamental ethical duty a human being has, namely articulating the words that emerge in him or her in an as sincere way as possible, not because we are sure that we are the only ones uh, who know the truth or that we are the ones who make no mistakes and the others uh, uh, are asleep or something, not because of that, but just because every human being has the ethical duty, I think, to just articulate his opinion as well as possible and in an as sincere way as possible. And if we stop doing that, uh, that's already described in the Talmud. There's this nice quote in the Talmud that if a human being stops articulating the words that he thinks are sincere, that he will slowly lose his soul. <laughs> and history has shown us. And it's actually perfectly logical that um, as mass formation is a kind of hypnosis, it is always induced by the voice. Totalitarian leaders know that very well. They constantly use indoctrination and propaganda to just keep the population in the grip of, of the narrative and of the voice. And that's something, for instance, that uh, classical dictators don't do. Classical dictators in the first place use terror. They use their aggressive potential. Uh, also a totalitarian state does that, but only in a third in the third place. First there is indoctrination propaganda. Um, and um, that's exactly also why uh, the, 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 the totalitarian leader knows that, knows intuitively or consciously, Stalin knew that very well consciously, that it is the voice that keeps the people in the grip of the state. And so the opposite is also true. If there is a dissonant voice, then the hypnosis will, of the leaders and of the population will constantly be disturbed a little bit. And that's something that is very well described by Gustave Le Bon in his uh, famous book, uh, The Psychology of the Crowd. In that case, uh, the people who articulate the dissonant voice uh, usually are not able to wake up the masses, but, and that's crucial, that's the most important message, message in a practical, from a practical perspective that I uh, bring in my book. I describe it much more detailed there. The people who articulate the dissonant voice might not be able to wake up the masses, but that doesn't mean that their voice has no effect. It has an extremely important effect. It constantly disturbs the mass formation and it makes that the mass formation does not go so deep that the people in the mass become convinced that they have to eliminate, that they have to destroy the people who do not go along with them. So that's the, the crucial importance of continuing to speak out and history shows us time and time again what happens if the opposition, the dissonant voice, stops to speak out. In 1930, that happened in the Soviet Union. In 1935, in Nazi Germany, the opposition stopped to speak out. They considered it too dangerous to continue to speak out. They thought they were dealing with a classical dictatorship. And what happened within a period of six months to one year, the destruction campaigns of the totalitarian state started. So, um, uh, it's just once you understand the mechanism of mass formation, you understand that there is only one option. You have to continue to speak out in a sincere way. You have to watch out, and that can happen as well, that the people who do not go along with the first mass formation don't form a second mass formation, that they do not become a mass themselves. In that case, they will be destroyed, inevitably. 
Um, uh, but the f- first, 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 most important, crucial principle is that everybody has to continue to speak out, not trying to convince the other because that doesn't work and it's counterproductive, but just living up to this ethical principle that you have to articulate the words you believe in and then that will give you the optimal result. Not trying to convince the other, just saying, look, that's your opinion. I have a different one and I will just articulate it and you can do with it what you want. You can accept it or reject it, I don't care, but I just claim my right to express my opinion in a quiet way. Very good. Very hard to do. Very true. But I really... If I had anything else to say, it would be, we all have memories in these last two years. If there's anybody listening, think about it. Klaus Schwab, who their stakeholders, very business-like talk. They measure value in money. Money is like most tools. Used correctly, the better achieving a positive outcome. Or in the hands of these people, their outcome. True value is never measured in that. Think about what's happening with COVID, where everybody's been segmented, given loads of different titles because of woke or whatever, which has segregated them even more. Your community stuff has shut down to quite a degree. Have they reopened? Have you lost touch with your neighbours? Have your neighbours moved away? Have you been polarised? But most of all, has anything affected friendships? Have they broken up? Anything affected your families have they broken up they put a price of money on everything but how many hugs kisses compassion sense of well-being and that community spirit what's the price of that it's can you put a price on a hug how many hugs haven't you got because of the way it's this 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 has happened and what's happened over the last two years i mean do those people that you used to come to your front door and one of them run and give you a hug they think twice now or do they come in with a mask and check to see if you've got a mask on whatever and don't want to move up and just be human i mean all those natural things that make us who we are all those sense out empathically you walk up and you give it yeah wow yeah you know give somebody a hug a kiss or whatever how much of that stopped look at it yourselves and think of what you miss and what you could actually do by just starting it again well said my friend well said so unfortunately we're out of time I think everything that needed to be said was said today, was it not? Yeah, we said enough for the day. Very good. <laughs> Go on, always, we could, yeah. Uh, it's always a it's always a pleasure to have you on. Looking forward to having you back next time. Hopefully that'll be next week, but we'll talk later in the week about that. For those of you who would like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We would ask you to pass us along to five friends. That's all, just five friends. Do you know someone you're trying to wake up? Do you know someone you're trying to get to think on their own and get them out of mass formation? Then we would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. Ned, thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening. 